We are back. We know we've been on a bit of hiatus. Uh, we're kind of trying to take it easy during the summer. I, I promised Kay a little bit of a break <laughs> from uh, podcasting. <laughs> a break from the heat or a break from podcasting? A little break from the podcasting. <laughs> we know you don't like the heat. That's a whole nother yeah. show. I'm a but, fall winter guy. But, fall but, winter but he's, guy. But I, you guys would be proud. He's been out there braving the summer weather. Um, we spent some time in a very warm region not too long ago. and uh, Warm and humid. He was hanging in there. He was hanging in there. I was proud. <laughs> so we are really excited tonight to have uh, Brittany Proc now on our show. She is a therapist. She's in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. So she's local to me. Yay. Um, she helps to people with premarital counseling, anxiety, addiction issues, all kind of things um, in her world. So I'm really excited and Kay is too to talk to her today about some of the things she's seeing with clients, asking, answering some questions that you guys might be curious about if you're considering getting married or not. <laughs> um, so we'll get into it. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you tonight. So I, I think one thing that um, when I was looking a lot at your background and some of your areas of specialty, um, one I found really interesting was premarital counseling. Because as you know, as a therapist, sometimes people wait until there's a bit of a molehill before they talk to someone. There's a little bit of trepidation of actually having discussions beforehand. But I was curious, like when you are talking to couples, if someone is in that you know, sitting in that that uh, space right now where they're trying to figure out if they should marry this person, what are some of the things that you as a counselor kind of pick up on or help them to pick up on uh, to see if they're going to be compatible for the long run? Sure. Um, gosh. So I think to your point too, that I think the p couple's therapy paradigm is definitely shifting. Luckily, I think that there's more people that aren't waiting until the 11th hour of everything's wrong and we need to figure this out. And now more doing some exploration, at least from some of the things I'm seeing mm -hmm. as well with working with couples. So in the premarital phase, a lot of it is having the hard conversations that we might not normally have. A lot of it can stem around things like money, things like sex, kids, work, what the life looks like, families, if it's, are you getting married to each other? Are the families more involved? There's a lot of things that kind of, it's peeling back all the layers to help them understand what it is that they're moving into and towards with intention. So it's more like people talk about conscious uncoupling all the time. Mm -hmm. It's more of a conscious coupling aspect of this. Yeah, I, I do see like, I feel like there are some generations that are younger that are really being much more um, decisive about the process and really trying to understand who they are and where their gaps are and then understand what the other person's gaps are and if there are things they could bridge the gaps on, uh, which I think is really great. I think because they've watched a lot of the fallout of maybe failed marriages or divorces or broken homes. Um, so they're like, I don't want to repeat that I want to really get it right so I think that self-awareness is is really important um there are some things that you said that I, I it was just thinking about like a lot of times when people come to me um for you know for coaching and counseling they struggle with advocating you know for what is important to them even though they feel it in the pit of their stomach literally and there's anxiety when they don't talk about it um, they, they recognize like, this is important, but I'm scared because I don't want to scare off this person or is it too soon to have this conversation? So I liked how you said like, 
people are really hard to really afraid of having the hard conversations. So how do you walk people through, you know, how they can find their voice in those early phases, especially if maybe their voice was suppressed by previous relationships or they felt shut down and they're trying to regain that confidence um, to speak out about their, you know, their needs. Sure. So the, how I do couples work is I take sessions. The first three sessions are the first one is the three of us together. And then I do two individual sessions and then reconvene as couples working, moving with the couple moving forward. Because in that individual session, I want to get to know them and what their part is, what their voice is, what it is that they really want, what their desires are, what their dreams are, what their anxieties are. So having that knowledge, even without the other person in the room, I think helps in the process. And then during the process, it's a, what are the emotions that are behind saying or not saying the things that you really want to talk about. So when we can get into the emotional part, then it's like being able to pull that out and have the other person hold that with them. The the idea of, like I'm from a family therapy background, so structural family therapy is more about looking at families as an emotional system. So I take that in the couple's work as that it's not just that we handle emotions as an internal process as one, but it is part of a relational aspect, especially when we're talking about couples work. So really trying to get into the what's happening individually and how to work that into the relational aspects. No, I like that a lot about, you know, what you said, like it's a lot of times our angst and our anxiety is about the emotions behind what they what we want to say, but we're afraid to say, but really it's the release of getting these things out that actually frees up that emotional space and that anxiety um, that a lot of people feel. And I think, you know, I learned this uh, recently, I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about boundaries. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. even with like something as simple as boundaries, when you're starting to establish like, okay, I'm not going to say yes to everything. I'm going to not be a people pleaser. I'm going to find somewhere in the middle. It feels very uncomfortable because you're used to being on that one extreme and I think what happens is sometimes we're like okay I'm telling this person my boundaries and then they don't respond well so then we go back you know the person may go back I should say into their shell because they're like I said what my boundaries were but then this you know the person didn't respond well and it's really not about that it's it's about you still exercising that right to say hey this is where I stand and it still lets people know where you stand so I think the emotions piece is probably coupled with like what if they don't respond well or what if, the, what if it causes me to lose this relationship? Um, and I think that if you have that fear so early on, that's also probably a sign <laughs> that there's a, some work to do, right? Um, with communicating better your needs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And then the topic of boundaries, I'm sure as you probably work with people and especially the ones who are, but if I say something, what might happen? And it's oftentimes like, if I say something, does that make me selfish? If I say something, how will that affect the other person? And it can feel like the anxiety is on the extreme version of what that might be. And when we, if the reaction holds true and it's like, well, I did that thing, it's more like the win is in doing what you felt was best for you. Right, right. And it's not about the other person's reaction. Of course, in the moment, it's like, well, that's what's giving me more anxiety now because the other person is now upset or right. what I thought came true and you know, all the things that can come with that. And it's also, a, and when you do something different to act, the other people then learn how to react and that that's going to be a new pattern and a new cycle that people can adapt to. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm, I'm curious about something, though, because I know everyone kind of uh, when it comes to therapy or marital counseling, um, no one wants to, 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 to be offended, um, whether you're the therapist, the coach, or whether you're the prospective uh, 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 future husband or future wife. But I'm curious, have, have, have you ever found yourself in, uh, in a session where you know the best choice or the best decision for them is to prolong their engagement. Now, I know that you're not going to, of course, tell them you guys need to get married or you don't. But I'm just curious when you see that there's such a, a, a rift in, in the relationship um, where both parties don't appear to be comfortable uh, in one another's space, especially when it comes to, as you guys say, the hard topics. Uh, how would you word that to them expressing that they need to just really either wait, hold off or just call it quits? Yeah, yeah. I like to um, use this analogy of, uh, like, so I go to physical therapy. So the whole realm of what my physical therapy says, you want to move from a place of stability. No matter what you do here, you want to be able to, let's say, strengthen whichever side you're weaker on and move from a place that feels most stable to you before then you go back to running or doing whatever activity. So you have to slow it down to be able to speed it back up. So what I like to tell people is, does this feel like a place of stability and having that be reflected of what would feel like a secure place to move from so that it doesn't feel like I'm about to run this race on a broken foot and I'm gonna be hurting for the long haul afterwards. And more of a, can you take the time to heal or to repair and to feel like you're strengthening this and then move from that place and have that reflected in session. Okay. Yeah. The foot is broken. Um, it's best that you get that foot healed first before we uh, walk together down the aisle. That's the layman's term. But what okay. if people like, so I know you've run against this and I've run against this, like, but what if people are just hard headed? So like they know, they know they're getting all the clues from the information around them, you know, from like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, information within them and outside of them. So within them, the emotional reaction, the physical part of it being like, ooh, this is up and down. This is a bit of a roller coaster. Externally from friends, family saying, I don't know if this is a good thing for you, but somehow they're still pulled into it. And we know there's reasons for that, right? But how do you kind of like walk someone through the, the, you know, getting over the fear of letting go? Because sometimes people sit in these situations and they know it's very limited for them. But on the other end, they're like, well, but I, something better hasn't come along or maybe something better will come along during this process. And I think they're not connecting that like as they're connected to this person, it's almost blocking that opportunity for them to actually connect to someone in a healthy way because it's like they're connected to this unhealthy situation. So someone that's healthy and secure, they may not know what it is, but oftentimes people do pick up right on something's not totally right here. So you do have people to sit in these situations and they're kind of just like, I don't know, I call it the security blanket. Like, I'm going to hold on to my security blanket until I get a new blanket. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, and then it's, can I let go of this security blanket to even see if there are new blankets out there? And that that's another hard part. Because when I think of it, at times when people are so ambivalent in relationships and you can have the cohort of friends, family, people going, are, are you are you sure and kind of being that part then it's almost like some people dig their heels in Deeper, and be yeah. the other part right. so that it's that this battle is happening within myself 
And because I'm having this battle more relationally or outside of me externally, I have to pick a side and I'm going to pick the other side because I'm not totally ready. So it, I think that it is interesting. And yes, people can definitely, you know, self-determination is totally a thing that people will go like, no, I want to keep fighting and fighting and fighting. And that that fighting then becomes so familiar and that it becomes in some ways comfort within chaos. Right, right. That that's what they're holding on to. Yeah, it's real interesting human behavior. Like I, I'm always, you know, it's always interesting to me because I could see the desire to remove oneself from it and I've been there too and I agree with you like I remember dating and if my parents didn't like someone then I'm like I'm gonna prove (laughs) why they should yeah and so I'm gonna prove them wrong I think it was wise when parents start figuring out maybe I just don't dig my heels in too tight tough on this one and just let it kind of play out because I think parents had that you know had that realization with their children too but I think even as adults that can happen you know you where you're you get so grounded in something just like you said that you're thinking oh no I gotta prove that this is right or that this person is the right person and then people go through a series of events and takes them so long to kind of pull themselves out of it even though they knew intuitively usually they can go back in a moment in time and say yeah I kind of had a feeling this wasn't for me but who are you trying to prove it to are you trying to prove it to yourself to family friends I think sometimes it's both actually I think yourself sometimes and and I think sometimes your family members Mm -hmm. you know because Sometimes if we're protective about something and we feel so strongly about something, I just think that's natural. You're like, I'm okay, you may not see it, but we get each other and, and, and this is working and I'm gonna show you. So I, I think that happens too. Yeah, because yeah. even if it's not even if it's not working in the preliminary uh, you know, phases and family and friends are whispering about it, I mean, this is still going to be the, the precursor to marriage, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when things are not mm-hmm. necessarily uh, conjoining or congealing together. So, you yeah. know. Um, but I'm just a firm believer in this right here. I don't know if the camera can oh, see yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> For those out there listening. That. Sometimes that's just what it boils down to. It's, it's no yeah. need to, to beat around the bush, especially when the handwriting is deeply ingrained on the wall. Um, sometimes we can we can fuss with ourselves, uh, even try to justify with, us, with, with ourselves as it pertains to another mate, when instead you understand that this is just not it. How can I do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes that's the e- that's that's just the easiest. Rip it and run. Yeah. Rip it and run. Yeah. That's it. Just rip it and run. Yeah. Just go. It's like yeah. the band aid. It's like slowly pulling it off versus just be done. Yeah. But we know that's not how human emotions work a lot of times. So it can often feel like um, the saying of simple but not easy. And right. so we're and we love easy. We love easy. We're just we love the familiarity. And the, the the hard part is going what else is out there or what will this mean for my life? What will it mean for my friends and family to be quote unquote right? What will I have to face? I'm not getting the ring that everyone on social media is getting or the wedding or and all and all the things that can often just come into play from all the outside signal and noise to you know kind of alter also how we see things i I like there was something you said earlier and i want you to kind of dig into a little more about you know families are an emotional system and Mm -hmm. i know you mean a lot by that and i i just have a feeling there's there's something like deeper to like kind of your philosophy around it can you talk a little bit about that that influence of family and how it shapes us and how sometimes we just don't have awareness that things are not healthy or unhealthy because we may have grown up a certain way and that was just our norm. 
Sure. Um, yes, I love this topic. So my background is in family therapy. It's how I started out. I went to school for social work. I had a family's professor say, if you can work with families, you can do anything. And I said, challenge accepted. Everyone else went, okay, great. That's cool. <laughs> like, don't need to dive into that. And I was like, yes, I want to do this. So started working with families because it was also a point of who do I want to work with? What do I want to do? And I felt like that this was the best way to also feel like you're getting it all. And you really do get it all. So in working with families, you like it, all and so much more. <laughs> all and so much more. Yes. Yeah. Started doing in-home family therapy and then did it with people who were struggling with addiction. So it got all like different facets of it. And it's so interesting because it's the idea that we as ourselves don't just process our own emotions internally, that it is through a system and through a lens and that there's um, a type of modality that I was specifically more drawn to, which is structural family therapy, which has a few components to it. So boundaries being one of the primary ones, roles in the family, hierarchy, um, coalition, you know, if you have, let's say, a, a family of three just to give a you know numeric example and then it's like two people align and then there's one person who's kind of you know being pulled into the two um just all these different facets communication that come into a family system and it really is a system that when one part starts to change or evolve then the whole thing has to change and evolve and so when we, even when we think about couples work that those two come in with this blueprint of what does this look like? What were emotions talked about? Were they not talked about? How did you handle it? And what was it like for you? Just the overall sentiment, could you communicate? Could you, you know, what topics were okay, not okay? And that we bring all of our own histories into what marriage or relationship can be. And so it's like, we have all of our own thoughts, histories, family concepts, ideas of how we see the world, you know, spirituality and all of it in one person and then all those same things in another person and then how do you mesh it all together mm -hmm. and so it really is this when it looks very simple from the outside that all those things make it beautifully complex mm -hmm. I like that together. I like that beautifully now beautifully complex. should a family system okay since mm -hmm. we're talking about the dating phase should it ever be where you are engaged to someone and honestly, the family um, of him or of her is just so toxic that, you know, it's going to adversely affect their relationship as a therapist. OK, are there certain scenarios where you just say without using all the clinical terms, look, <laughs> you just need to take a V line and that because this is going to ruin you guys relationship. I'm a realist, so I just like to hear the behind sure. the scenes, you I know, mean, things do. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. There are definitely times as therapists who we're going abort, abort, just mm -hmm. stop, <laughs> like do not do it. But then in the session, we have to be like, we're going to process this, and we're going to do it all together. This will be a learning opportunity for three of us here. Um, <laughs> so it that's where we really do talk about boundaries, and also is what does marriage look like? Because culturally, this is vast. In especially in Eastern cultures, you are marrying into the family. Mm -hmm. It is not just two people, mm -hmm. one and one coming together. Here in more Western society, where it's more individualistic, we hear of more one-on-one. -on -one. And you know, there, there's different expectations in terms of what integrating families looks like. So 
that does play a component to it. Now, when someone's family is like, hey, like they are, there's a lot going on there and it's, I'm not ready to just cut off communication with them, then it is a, how are you formulating your own family and what do you want to bring in with you? What are the boundaries that you want to set and what's okay and what's not okay? If you see this as okay and then your partner doesn't, then how are you going to come to terms on that? And how are you going to talk about it in a way that feels clear, productive, and cohesive for you both? And see, I think a contract needs to be drawn in that particular case. I mean, seriously, because you guys can verbally express, you know, oh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, my, my mom or my dad or my sister and brother, they just won't, you know, come to our house unannounced verbally. No, I would need to see this in writing because I've seen over the years where something as simple as that, you know, you want to embrace family, whether it's yours or whether it's the other individuals. But you also see that this can be a huge deterrent on us trying to mold and shape our own relationship together because I'm fine with something, you know, pertaining to my family coming over at any time, but you're not. Those things, again, should be discussed, not only in the preliminary, but I think a contract should also be drawn. Which, to your point, a marriage is a business. And I think that creating relational contracts is a great tool and mechanism to be able to talk about these things, too, because it is it, it creates so much clarity. And when I think of how the saying clarity is kindness, if you can create that type of clarity in your relationship, it makes it so much easier too. You, there is no guessing. There is no, we have to have this conversation over and over again. It's, this is what we agreed to. We exactly. Can, we can yeah, we can renegotiate every year. We can do this for right now for this year. This is what we have as a contract. You can even frame it and put it on the wall just so it's always sure. there. You know, hey, remember? Don't even have to say anything. I would just point to it. And and that way, this, this was- on the refrigerator. <laughs> this is your signature. Your signature. <laughs> so talking about the relational contracts, a follow-up. Like say someone right now is sitting in that boat right now. They are getting married. They sense there could be some friction uh, with some of the family dynamics. What things should go in a, a relational contract? Like if you had, if you were, you know, talking to a couple, what are like three or four things you would say you guys definitely need to like outline? Because that could look different from mm -hmm. someone who's younger, first marriage versus blending families, you know? Or second marriage. No giving the keys to my car. <laughs> that's just one, you know. Yeah, because it, it, could, it could be a little more complex. So let's start with like a couple that's just fresh, like they're getting engaged. They don't have any children yet. Um, it's just the two of them, but they both have different. They're you know, so in love. They're so in love. Um, and, they lo and they love each other's family, but like they see some things and they're just like, hmm. So what would you like say to them would be, you know, important things to include in kind of their relational contract? In other words, you would play the mother role, like, Darling, <laughs> this is what we need to do. Yeah. Um, so, and this may be a little bit more in the background, but then I'll go specific. I So what I also, there's an exercise I like to do and it's discerning values. And it's taking a list of, I think about 80 values, bring down to 20, 10, five, and then you start on two. And so it comes back to what matters to you, because I think that that's important to understand, especially when we talk about things like relational contracts, because someone really might not care if the dishes ever get done. And the other person is, I cannot sleep at night if the dishes don't get done. So we need to figure this out. <laughs> Elizabeth raised her hand for those listening in. On you guys have had a counseling session before. <laughs> Kay likes to soak the dishes. I like to wash the dishes right away. Okay, go ahead. Yes, absolutely. 
so so it's kind of like okay what what kinds of things matter to you what kinds of things matter to me if it's and because the values are a little bit more general they're things around like you know let's say it's health it's courage it's family it's authenticity and growth if it's those five and someone says all right i'm going to start growth and family since we're in this process together right now and those are the two that i really want to concentrate on so how do you make a contract that really speaks to those two like what then needs to happen so if i'm thinking about growth and i'm thinking about things like doing the dishes then can i push myself from i really don't care about this to i know that she cares and so i can do this but they, there's some things that can go in there that's going, what can we both commit to to ensure that we're in this process together? And is this a now, part of the 20? Because I, I know you gave a, a numeric system. Is, is it a part of it? Sure. Okay. Sure. So when you break it down from, let's say, 20 values down to five, and then you start on two that you really are going, these are my cornerstones. These are my like seeds that plant into, let's say, the, the other five. Then that's that's kind of how I, how I like to do it because I think when it's super clear and concise then it does get back to I can go back to just two things and each time it's going let's just go back to these two things so it kind of doesn't have the Netflix fatigue of what do we concentrate on and right talk about? it's not too much how do we do this yeah. but it's going we got we got a couple things to to set as intentions in a way and then mm-hmm. you know it can always be up for renegotiation or re re-reflecting and you know all the things oh. So, yeah. And then from there, it's also like, okay, in this contract, maybe it's that we talk about things like money, sex, family on a monthly or quarterly basis, that we need to review certain things, that there's, you know, the household chores. How is that going? An evaluation. For you? For you? An evaluation, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's, you know, it's, it is coming together and going, this is a family business meeting for the two of us, and how are we doing? <laughs> Elizabeth is loving this, by the way. I can feel the energy. I don't know if you guys have talked. I'm just quietly like, yeah. She's soaking all of this up. And I'm like, woman, if you come to me with a country, hey, it's our quarterly meeting, you know, for the relationship, buddy. I need you to sign this right here. Well, we do write out things like our goals and we kind of track with those things. Um, I like how you make it even simpler, though, because I think it could get overwhelming to create a comprehensive list of all of these things you need to do. But I like kind of narrowing it down to things that are important, because I think if you could build with those things, you start to solve it and you can add to your list. Perhaps. And it was what, 20, 10, <laughs> 5 and 2? Was was that it? Um, it's 80 yes. at the beginning, yeah. 80 values total, then 20. 20. Then five, then two. Okay. Yeah. Brene Brown has a list on her website that I like to send Mm -hmm. to people. There's, if you even just Google values list, there's so many different ones. She's really amazing that way. Like, she's so great on vulnerability and what you're talking about with courage and your voice. Like, she's, she's, that's her whole. (laughs) Well, I should say everything, but she's done so much research on it and she, she does a great job with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, let's, so let's amp it up. What if it's a more mature couple? <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Um, what if it's a more mature couple? No, you're not. <laughs> and say, like, 
you know, say they're remarrying, you know, like they've been married before or say they come into the union with children. What are the things that you would like kind of walk them through? Because it sounds like you have expansive experience in that family realm. Because now you like you said, we already have two people we're bringing together with different value systems. But now you're bringing together the people and their families and you're connecting mm-hmm. these families. Um, so like what are the things you would like advise people in that situation? And definitely you? because you're talking about now, you know, children that are still underage that are still with mm-hmm. the parents, you know, right. which means they're going to be, everyone's going to be up under the same household together. So that's a whole new dynamic mm-hmm. um, that not only needs to be discussed, but you guys have to be on the same page at least, you know, over 50%, you know, for it to, to work successfully. Sure. Yeah. And because then the other part of that, too, is the co-parenting aspect, too. And so it is this major blending of a lot of different moving parts. And so it is a a candid conversation because I've heard of um, some people in this kind of dating process going, I don't know if I want to bring you around my children all that often or, you know, kind of easing into that, which absolutely makes sense. Mm -hmm. However, at some point, you Mm -hmm. don't want to miss this integration piece. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, boom, we're a family. And so I Mm -hmm. think that if people can move in consciously and create in some ways timelines and plans as to what that looks like and to have the conversations with the children who are in the house and, you know, how this is working and, you know, what the expectations for each partner is and how, how they see that best fit. So I think that it really is getting super granular. I think at times we think like, oh yeah, they just know, or like, it'll just work out, or we'll just see how it goes. And it's kind of like, no. let's just kind of throw it in there and see, and see what, see what goes Just mix on. it up. No, I like, I like what you yeah. said, because I don't think you should everyone doesn't get to meet someone you're dating. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I don't ascribe to that. I feel like you should be very judici- judicious in like who you're introducing to your children because that could send them signs and they get attached and it's different for them emotionally. And you think they're not absorbing those experiences, but they are. Um, yeah. So I think that, that makes sense. But then at the same time, I think sometimes there should, absolutely, there should, I should say, sometimes there should be a period of integration. Like, let's get to know each other. Let's But see when? How. Because, see, that's, that's kind of a primary question, know. too. Is it three months? Is it four mm-hmm. months? Is it four mm-hmm. weeks? You know, I, I know each case is, is slightly different because you have, you know, varying factors. But when is, like, a, 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 a you know, I guess a comfortable time to say, you know what, Johnny, you know what, Karen, we've been dating now for three months, six months, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to have a trial run with you around, you know, my rugrats or around my children just to see how, you know, how, how you actually, in, in, you know, get along, but how you're actually able to evolve around them. Now, anyone can put their, their best foot forward. So I wouldn't be impressed per se. You know, I would be more impressed when I leave and say, okay, I'm going to be going for a few hours and, you know, just kind of watch from afar off how they're engaging. You, you understand? Because it's the same with dating. You, you know, you're going to always put your best foot forward with one another. Well, that person, that man or that woman is going to do the same as it pertains to their children. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I always think of um, Chris Rock has in one of his standups, he goes, when you first start dating someone, you're not dating them. You're dating their representative. <laughs> <laughs> when that representative starts to go away, <laughs> you start to see who you're really you get to start to you know move through the honeymoon phase and you start can start to talk about things that are really 
life. Like if you have the love story and the life story, you really want to talk about the life story. Because I think that what you want is for reality to feel like it can set in and that it doesn't have to be the, the, the romantic part has to stay so separate from what life is. And so even if it's not that there's this integration within six months, it's that it's starting to have the ideas and the conversations around what that could mean and what it would mean for, you know, like what are the ideals around family to you? How do you do with children? How do you do with your children? What do you think about, you know? So I, I think that within that time frame, then, because then you get to know each other, you get to know what it's like, you know, in trials and tribulations, hopefully. And it, because it also depends on the pace of the relationship. If people are seeing each other, I know, regularly at that point, I understand I'm thinking about someone who has, you know, kids and different things of, okay, you know, we have, let's say the kids like we go on, we golf or something like that, where the pace of the relationship may be a little bit more spread out as opposed to two single people like, we have all the time in the world and, you know, we can see each other after five every single day mm-hmm. and it would be fine. But that that also does play a part in this too, of if it's six months and you're only seeing each other, you know, once every few weeks, that might be different than for someone who's going, okay, we want to build something and we're working in the building process and let's start to really get those blocks solid. So depending on the pace of the relationship is when you start that integration and then that mm-hmm. pace may look slower depending on just how often you have your children and you know, yeah. the seriousness of where you see the relationship going as well. Absolutely. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Now, what if someone is actually keeping their kids a secret and you guys have been dating for like six months and maybe she comes out with, you know, by the way, I do have kids or he comes out, by the way, I do have, you know, kids and it's been six months. How do you yeah. approach that? I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, th- th- there are a whole lot of questions as it pertains to that, I don't care how someone justifies. Well, I just wanted to keep them protected and so forth. Six months and not even a hint of you having children has has come into play. Yeah, yeah. I you know it's you, you hear these stories and it, it is interesting because it's what is it? I mean, because then it's in a lot of ways it's sort of a betrayal in the relationship of that this is this whole thing has been happening for you on like underneath my eyes and I didn't even see it. And so now it's a, this whole revelation just happens and what to do with it. I mean, you hear people who, you know, are like, oh, I have a whole separate family that I, you know, this family has no idea about. And the, the kind of secrets and feeling like it's one person playing two in two different lives. So that, I mean, Red flag, I'll say yeah. it for you. Yeah. Red flag, red <laughs> Especially flag. if you're a person who does have kids too and that not, the other person's not mentioning it or, or and I say if they have another family or any other kind of secret and then kind of going, well, how much can I trust you? Like what, right. if I don't feel like I fully know you, then how can I move forward in this way? I mean, and don't get me wrong. I know there are some and I've known some, I've known people who they just wanted to, to draw and attract the person without Mm -hmm. mentioning Mm -hmm. these secrets, whether you've been incarcerated for six months or a year, a couple years, you know, I just wanted him to like me for me first, or I just wanted her Mm -hmm. to like me for me first. But I I know some people say, well, you shouldn't introduce that, you know, in the initial dating phase. Um, But I don't know. I'm a firm believer that, yes, you want to enjoy the company that you are just starting to engage and have. But, I, I, you know, I think you know, maybe after the first few weeks, depending on the frequency of time that you all are spending together, 
Some of these things need to gradually start surfacing because you are now you now give the other person a chance to decide, even if it's the fourth week, even if it's the second month to decide. Oh, they know that I don't Mm -hmm. want to to no longer date you. Yes, it's going to hurt. okay, but at least you're giving that person the chance to 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 decide or to make the choice for themselves if they want to now date someone with children or date someone who's been incarcerated or been fired whatever the case may be and i think over time these things start to surface anyway if you're honest with yourself and honest with the other person me and elizabeth when we first started dating honestly there were some things i mean because we were considered mature (laughs) mature (laughs) you know uh, adults meaning we've gone through the process before um, and there were some questions that honestly, I, Elizabeth has heard me say this thousands of times where I was, it was time to remove the rose petals. That's just an analogy that I use. Okay. The rose petals have been presented. We've loved on one another. I think we know now we really are attracted to one another intellectually. We, we borderline are loving each other. Now, now it's time yeah. to remove the rose petals. Let's get to the crux of who I am, who you are, and vice versa. And there were some questions that Elizabeth asked me that honestly, it was a little uncomfortable because I realized, okay, this could deter her, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I told Elizabeth, when she first asked me some of these questions, I, I expressed this to her. I said, I'm not going to lie to you. It it, it, it it bothered me a little bit. Not that you asked it, it bothered me because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be truth. I'm going to be honest with her. But what bothered me was what if she doesn't about face and says, sorry, it was nice knowing you and have a nice life. You know, that was the thing that was bothering me and rightfully so, because when you are starting to join with someone, you know, you start to feel those those deeply rooted feelings. You start to see a future with them. But I'm just a firm believer. You know what? Even if it turns that person away, be honest, be honest, because as someone told me years ago and I shared this with Elizabeth, they asked me a question. This is when I was back home in Atlanta and I I answered it truthfully. But then I, I came back around and said, excuse me. So. You asked me a question, but how do you know that I wasn't lying? I mean, how do you know you, you seem so reassured when I told you or answered the way that I answered? And I never forget what she said. She said, well, I felt good because I gave you the chance to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me all these years because it was like I gave you the chance as a mature, hopefully a mature man to tell me the truth. You could have been lying, but at least I put it out there for you to, to present, hopefully, the truth to me. Right, that it's like an invitation to express your true self, mm-hmm. and exactly. that you can check yes to that, and and of course with all the fears there to have the courage to do it, mm-hmm. and that's it. It does offer so much beauty to a relationship, mm-hmm. and just yeah, it really makes it whole, and and to feel even for you like in yourself of like I can show up as a whole person. This and is who I am. Love yeah, it, hate exactly. it, you know. Sure, and, I can, yeah. You know, all parts of me. The part exactly. of me that's going, I don't know about this. Exactly. And then all the part of me is going, dude, be honest. Exactly. And then doing it. Because yeah. in that love, when, when, when you really think mm-hmm. about it, that, that's love. Taking the person yeah. with all their faults, you know, all their crooked, sure. uh, crooked lines and rough surfaces, whatever those analogies may pertain to, you know, you still love them in spite of, you know. So I just think it's best just to show your true, uh, your true self, even if some of that true self is ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I was just going to add, this is, you know, the dating phase is like discovering someone. 
and it's mm -hmm. really about you doing your due diligence so i know we have all seen enough lifetime stories to know that like <laughs> when something doesn't feel right it probably isn't right dig into it and figure it out and don't sit on it um but outside of that like you know give yourself time i think sometimes it's such a process of rushing to the event because we're so excited which mm -hmm. is normal when you love someone you're like oh i want to like grab this moment commit move on but before you move on really getting to know them asking questions being curious observing because people often will show you in their actions who they are time is a revealer of and, and we always talk about like the seasons you know you want to see people in different seasons like what are they like when they're stressed what are they like when they're bored like what are they like mm -hmm. when you know the stakes are high to do something like you want to see how they make decisions how they show up for those decisions because you're know, bringing up my quote right I am. Yeah, he has, he has. Yes, he has a call. <laughs> yeah, Finish your point, though. No, so I, so I just think like I there was a lady um, who came on our show before on our podcast, Sandy Weiner, and I, I like the way she termed it choice points. Like sometimes just yeah. sitting back and watching how people make decisions about things can give you so much clarity on whether you align with them. Like if they're emotionally mature, if they're financially mature, if they're spiritually mature, if they're where you're at in those core areas so sometimes you don't even have to like tell the person everything you're thinking oh you need to do this better or that you could just sit back and observe and say okay they're not there because i think marriage is almost too mm -hmm. marrying that person at exactly where they are mm -hmm. and you want hopefully you hope with healing and like being together you're going to change which is going to happen i think naturally in marriage but can you love them like right here like mm. as yes. they are in mm. this moment, if they didn't improve at all by one percentage point, mm. would you still feel satisfied in that union? Mm. Because that's because that's where you are actually starting from. And then you're actually growing together. So mm. I, I always think about her, her analogy on the choice points. But I think a lot of times people are showing us exactly who they are. But I think sometimes we're just like, we don't want to see <laughs> or accept that. Part, yeah. You know? Yeah. Where you get bought, so bought into potential what could be. Yes. And yes. That we're kind of overlooking as to what's here. They always joke that men marry women hoping they won't change because we know how lovey-dovey we could be before marriage. <laughs> and men too, men too. I'm not giving men a pass. And then they say on the other side, women, they marry saying, oh God, I can't wait to see what he will become. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of yeah. an interesting analogy, but mm. anyway, but it has been such a pleasure. Did you want to tell yeah. her your matrix quote? Oh, no, no. Well, it's just a quick one, a quick one before we uh, uh, get off the air. Um, there's a fight scene. I'm a matrix fan. I've watched it so many times. I have the matrix trilogy. I say this because one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, the first matrix is when Neo is fighting the protector. He's, he's fighting the protector of the, the, the prophet per se. Okay. And he, after he finishes uh, fighting with this guy, this guy stops him and says, okay, enough. And so Neil's like, okay, what's going on? And the guy says, well, I needed to get to know you first. And Neil said, all you had to do was ask. And the guy says, well, you never know a person until you have fought them. Now, one of the first arguments me and Elizabeth had, I don't know if she remembers this, we were dating. I texted her and, and because we both kind of apologized to one another. But I said to her I, in the text, I said, look, no, thank you. Thank you for, thank you for the fight. Thank you for showing me who you are, because you never know a person until you have truly fought them. You know, people say that yeah. in reference to when you, you know, you drink a lot, you know, the truth serum, you know, you don't know a person then. Well, it, this goes without being drunk. It just goes with the emotional, emotional component that can take over a person when you're in fight mode. And we know in fight mode, for the most part, anything goes. 
So when that mm -hmm. any and everything didn't go in the midst of our first fight, I thanked her for it because it showed me, okay, well, we can still have a heated debate argument and there's no hitting below the belt. Yeah. Yeah. That you're not going for the jugular. Right. Which, yeah. Yeah. yeah which is beautiful. Which, by the way, I've, you're, I don't know, maybe the fifth person in like the past month, maybe, who's mentioned The Matrix. Like, so now, and I've never actually seen it. And people are like, how have you not seen The Matrix? I know, I know. The original, so not the, the original. You're, you're building on it. Yes, the original. You're building on the case as to why I need to see The Matrix. So we have weekend plans now to beat this heat. And maybe just stay in and watch Follow the, the pattern. Follow the yeah. patterns. Okay. I know they did the reboot. I know a lot of people have seen the reboot, but the original, man. I don't think there's anything like the original. Mm, nope, um, nope. It was just, right. yeah. You know, sometimes when things are redone, kind of like the Avengers series, after a while you're like, yeah. Mm, like, sequels, like, are hard. Sequels, sequels are hard. Sequels are hard. Yeah, yeah. You know? hard. yeah. yeah. So we love the first one. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Brittany, if people want to uh, learn more about you or they want to find you or they want to seek you out for um, counseling, how do they find you? Sure. You can head over to my website at bprocknow.com. I am on Instagram at Brittany with an I at the end, <laughs> underscore Procknell. And uh, sign up for my newsletter. That is my favorite thing to do. I love to write. Um, it's got some awareness and actionable kind of everything to do with relationships, self-awareness, tips, tricks, all the things. Yeah, I, th I think the work you're doing is amazing. Um, I know it's not always easy, but it's like very rewarding. And I could tell by the smile on your face as soon as we start mm -hmm. talking about families and helping mm -hmm. families, you just systems, you just perked up. Mm -hmm. Like, so we know you're in your um, your sweet. Yeah, spot. you started glowing all of a sudden. It was like family <laughs> system, system system i kept hearing the echo 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 yeah yeah it's like oh yes <laughs> yeah guys so please yes yeah, so go ahead i'm sorry Brittany. i was just gonna say thank you both so much this has been a lot of fun yeah thank you for coming on uh, people definitely check out Brittany proc now i'm going to spell her name is b-r-i-t-t-a-n-i P as in Paul, R-O-C-K-N-O-W. So, you know, go look her up, learn about her. She's doing some fantastic Show work off. out there. 1984 ESPN like spelling. spelling Bee Champion. <laughs> go check yeah. He's making that up. So don't believe it. He's very convincing with these stories. I can show the picture. But I do like spelling. You, I do like spelling. You are a wordsmith. <laughs> ah, she's so humble. Yeah. So anyway, guys, um, if you want to... Check out Brittany, you're a mess. I'm gonna get you after the show. If you wanna check out Brittany Procknow, please check out her work, um, seek her out. Uh, like she said, she has a newsletter that she has that you can take action on. And thank you so much again for being on the show. We really appreciate having you on tonight. You. Go watch The Matrix and the fight scene <laughs> over the Oracle. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we're signing off until next time. Uh, remember you can sign up and subscribe to the podcast on Google, Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, and many, many other platforms. Until next time, XOXO.